You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant. The shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Welcome to another episode of On the NBA Beat. This is episode 9A, and I'm Lauren Lee Chen, here as always with Aaron and Joshua Fishman. We're going to be talking about the lackluster Lakers this episode with Lakers fan extraordinaire Ray Ray Moraldi, whom you might know better from his Twitter and website, The No Look Pass. He's also written about the NBA and the Lakers for a ton of sites you know, including, but of course not limited to, Bleacher Report, Slam Online, and Forum Blue and Gold. He currently hosts the Ray Ray's Fundamental Podcast, and you don't need a library card to check him out. There are so many fun stories about Ray Ray, but one that stands out was that once he and his then-girlfriend were at a movie theater, and they saw Kobe Bryant coming out of a different showing. When he pointed him out, hey, that's Kobe Bryant, she didn't react and asked if they were old friends or something. Maybe that's why she's his ex-girlfriend. Anyway, enough intro. Let's bring him in. Ray Ray, good to have you on. How have you been? Good. How are you guys? I'm good. Great here, too. So far this season, the biggest story has obviously been Kobe Bryant's retirement announcement. And now when the Lakers go on road games, there's a little bit of a farewell tour kind of vibe with opposing players coming up to Kobe and shaking his hand, telling him how much he's meant to them over his career, and fans even cheering for him during those games. What's that atmosphere like? What kind of feeling do you get when you see that reaction from even away crowds for Kobe Bryant? Uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, he's one of the best players of all time, so he's going to get that respect from everybody else. But it's really weird because the Lakers are terrible. Like, they're (laughs) 3 of 18 at the moment. And... There, there's a standing ovation for Kobe after each uh, each game, whether it's home or road. So I just think it's a strange dichotomy going on right now with the Lakers being terrible, but yet Kobe saying goodbye and everything. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, again, it's well-deserved. But at the same time, it's, it's just weird. <laughs> right. It, he's obviously one of the greatest players in history, but you wonder if there's would be this kind of same reaction if the Lakers were actually a contending team that their teams would have to worry about like actually beating. Um, part of the reason that the Lakers have been so bad is because of Kobe Bryant. He's been terrible this season, to say the least. Yeah. Some might even argue with his role and the amount of shots he's taking, he's one of the worst players in the league. But do you think, in general, that media is being too hard on him? I know Kevin Durant thinks so. No. I mean, he's shooting less than 30%. He's like you know, routinely putting in three out of 18 shots. I mean, it's, it's just bad for it's just bad for him, bad for the team in general. Um, it's not helping the young players develop. I, I think it's fair the way the media is, quote-unquote, you know, treating him. It, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. I'm Team Ray Ray on that point. We were talking <laughs> about it on our banter episode last week, and... It's really tough to see. Unfortunately, my next two questions are both going to be about the same issue, but each from a little different perspective. The first one, 
since you kind of touched on this more, I want to follow up on that. Just the optics of Bryant struggling so miserably on such a horrible team in what should really be a time of celebration. He's done tremendous things over the course of his career, won five championships, all those all-star game appearances and everything. Just can you talk a little bit about the optics of it and how much of a disappointment it is from a fan's perspective? Man, uh, the thing is, like, I don't ever think Kobe got a fair shot of, um, he got he got injured the last three seasons, three season-ending injuries, and he never really had a good shot at a comeback. And, you know, to be fair to Kobe, I think for him, he just wanted to see if he, he's got it one last time. And he's found out that he doesn't anymore. Yeah. But the, but the way Kobe plays is that he's, this, this, this is really hard, but, um, he thinks that he can help the team by his shooting, and that's how he lives and dies on the court, you know? Yeah. He's always played this way. He's hardwired so, like that. Yeah, so he thinks that he, he can still do the same thing right now, even though he's just so terrible. So, yeah. you know, it, it's it's hard to watch, but, you know, for Kobe, he'll just, he'll just retire firing, basically. You know, like he's just done this all, his entire career. I think you just answered my next question. It was basically going to be the two of them are close. Kobe Bryant and Byron Scott, they even overlapped playing-wise. Apparently, Kobe Bryant has free reign and seems to be a combination of his legacy, career-long legacy with the Lakers and his relationship with Byron Scott, but also just his playing style. And recently, Byron Scott was quoted as saying, we're going to live or die by Kobe Bryant, and clearly they're dying by his shot right now. So judging from what you said, is it not realistic to either expect fewer shots that might increase efficiency, or uh, maybe his field goal percentage to somehow get close to 40% even with him shooting this crazy? Is that unrealistic? It's not unrealistic to think that Kobe will improve, like at least shooting-wise. I mean, that's just, I guess that's their game plan at this point. Well, 20, from 29%, it's easy to, to improve. To maybe 36 37%. <laughs> okay, so not, not that high of a bar. The, maybe it will happen. I mean, but the thing is, is that like... <sighs> It's it's really bad that they're doing it this way because it's not helping the young guys at all. He's taking away shots from the younger guys, and if you want your future to succeed, you gotta rein in Kobe Bryant. But unfortunately, Byron is just not thinking that way. Right. Speaking of Byron, um, <laughs> Byron Scott's in his second season as the Lakers head coach. One and last season, three and eighteen so far. I think I detected a disappointing sigh over there. <laughs> his, his handling of Russell's minutes have been questionable. He's Very. giving Kobe Bryant free reign to Chuck. Um, now Julius Randle and, and D'Angelo Russell aren't going to be starting for some games. What's Byron Scott's job security at this point? I thought you were no, going to say, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? Uh, I, I really don't know. Um, with Byron... See, they're losing at a pretty exponential rate. Like, if they if they go three and three or something like that, I don't think he's gonna last too long. <laughs> because obviously, you want the coach to win games. Um, but I don't know how the front office re- is reacting to how he's handling both uh, Julius and D'Angelo because it, it's it's baffling to me how they're not starting, how they're not 
how their minutes are suddenly predetermined to 20 to 25 minutes per game. The the Angelo Russell's actually improving the last few games, and um, he even mentioned it to comments to Mike Brisahan that um, you know now that he's getting it, why is he suddenly sitting down? You know that takes a lot of confidence and morale from your from your young guys. And same thing for Julius, although he played really well against Toronto with a double double in 21 minutes. But with Julius, he's been averaging double doubles the past few games, and he's sitting down. He's your best player at the moment, and you're sitting him down. And against Toronto, when he's playing really well, you sit him down for the closing minutes. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I don't know what the rationale is here for Byron. You don't think there's a method to his madness there? I I don't know. Um, Not a good one, maybe. I'm trying to understand where, but I, I just don't get at the moment. And, you know, if you have if you have a good reason for, you know, Byron Scott doing this, better tell me now because I'm not understanding any of this. I don't. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked a lot about Kobe's shooting being detrimental to the team, but the Lakers' defense this year has been one of the worst in the league. And actually, it's been pretty bad for the last few seasons. And that's across a few coaches, across a lot of different lineups and personnel. Why do you think it's been such a consistent issue for them? Is it something in their scheme or just how their team is built? Or is it just a factor of giving someone like Kobe so many minutes in such an important role? I, I just think that Byron Scott is so out of touch about everything on basketball at the moment. Um, he probably should be coaching at this point. <laughs> they, they, they get caught a lot of ball watching. And then they leave the perimeter alone. Like, I don't understand. In a game where three-pointers are so integral to the offense now, why are you leaving the perimeter alone? You know? And it, it doesn't hurt for players to at least play some uh, individual positional defense. And they're not even doing that. It's a lot of ball-watching. Like, Kobe Bryant's been known to ball-watch the last few years. And the other players are doing that as well. D'Angelo Russell and sometimes Julius as well. Their only really good defender at the moment is Roy Hibbert. And... <laughs> It's, it's, I don't know, it's just really, everything is just bad. It's a, it's a dumpster fire right now in L.A., both sides of the ball. For a long time, also, they didn't have a quick point guard. And I think if you look around the league, there are so many quick, talented, scoring point guards or guys that can at least penetrate, get into the lane, and then get assists. Now they have D'Angelo Russell. He's young. He's, he's still learning. And um, I, I think that leads to Lauren's question, actually. Yeah, I was just about to ask about D'Angelo Russell. I think the Lakers surprised some people, not that many people, when they took him with the number two pick over some guys like Julia Lope before or Kristaps Porzingis. He's shown flashes of greatness. He's had a few home run passes. But it seems like Byron Scott it doesn't totally trust him so far. He's gotten benched during a lot of close game situations, especially at the end of the games. More generally, what do you think his outlook is as a player, and do you agree with the pick in retrospect? I don't know about if I agree with the pick in retrospect. Here's the thing, because I don't know how Byron would have handled whoever was picked, whether it's Russell or Okafor, because would he, would he have benched them too? Would he have benched Okafor and Porzingis if they were on the, on the Lakers? So I really don't know. As far as minutes, yeah, I've talked about this. See, Byron's not handling this well at all. If you want your supposed franchise point guard to play well, to be your future, he should get as many rest as possible. But he's not even doing that. Again, he just benched him 
for against Toronto, and he's going to bench him for the, for the next few games. Um, so he's just not handling it well. As far as his ceiling goes, I can probably see. Um, he's got he's got the court vision of a, a Jason Kidd. His, his passing is incredible. His outside shots not there yet. Um, he he wants to work on his defense, but you know he's failed on that department so far. Even though he has emphasized it to uh, the media several times, um, so maybe a poor man Jason Kidd is a ceiling. Maybe. So D'Angelo Russell might turn out to be a stud, but Jordan Clarkson is one already. Has his incredible play been overshadowed by the Lakers' miserable season so far? A- absolutely. <laughs> Everyone's just talking about how bad the Lakers are at this point, and Jordan Clarkson gets lost in the shuffle. But here's what worries me about this. Uh, Clarkson's a free agent after the season. So I don't know if they're actually if they think he's one of the keepers or not. I, I, I don't know what they think of him, but he's playing he's playing really well so far, and it's unfortunate that it's getting lost in the shuffle because of how bad the Lakers are. Yeah, but still, Jordan Clarkson, Filipino pride represent, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Jim Buss has said that he wants the Lakers to become a contender by 2017, and actually he's guaranteed it, and that he <laughs> said he'd resign if it doesn't happen. What do you see in the framework with the young players, how the team's structured right now, or maybe uh, you might expect them to improve it in the future for them to improve from where they are now to uh, back to being in championship contention like we've come to expect the Lakers of old? As much as there's doom and gloom with the Lakers, they do have a few players that have potential in Randall, Russell, and possibly Clarkson if he stays because I don't know if someone else will scoop him up. But if they have those three and they add another one from the draft, and they can Byron because Byron Scott's not going to go, not, not going to handle these players well. Um, if they get a young, if they get a young coach probably from the college ranks and have them grow along with those four, with those four potential players, I think they can have something there. And and if it becomes a more attractive situation, then they can sign you know a second tier free agent, and maybe the Lakers can be something by 2017, 2018. Not a championship contender, but it'll be something. Yeah, it's definitely exciting, the young players that they do have, even though right now it's not resulting in wins. It's still exciting to see the product on the floor from certain guys, Yeah, not overall. But you didn't really talk that much about Jordan Clarkson, and I think we need more positivity on this episode, <laughs> an area we've been lacking a little bit. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what Jordan Clarkson's been doing so well on the floor, he's exciting to me from a personal standpoint. Clarkson is fearless, and he's shown that from day one since Summer League, since his rookie his rookie year. Um, he's not afraid to go in there and mix up with everybody, basically. Um, I, I I know he's supposed to be a point guard, but he's, pl- he's really played more of a, a, an attack, too. Um, of course, he needs to work on other things. Obviously, his, his defense needs a little work um his passing i'm not seeing a lot of that so far but you know he as a scoring two he's he's pretty good for for his second year yeah. and you could probably say that he's probably um, the greatest filipino basketball player of all time <laughs> <laughs> second to ray morality of course yeah sure let's go with that <laughs> <laughs> we've played you're just being modest it's okay <laughs> 
Julius Randle. So now I want to talk to you just about him more. He really is basically in his rookie year. Technically not. He played one game last season. and like 14 minutes last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why – maybe it's just me. You've watched the Lakers more than I have this season, a lot more. But doesn't he seem like he's way more advanced than a guy that's – essentially in his first pro season, just at least from an offensive perspective? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, rebounding uh, also. Yeah, his rebounding has been great. Like, he can just, like, gobble up the basketball if it's around him. Um, it's funny because when I talked to him last year, I said, hey, you know what? Um, people think you're like Zach Randolph in a way, you know? And, you know, he, he was kind of thrown off about that. And then, of course, earlier this year, Coy Bryant says, oh, yeah, he's like Zach Randolph. I heard the comparisons earlier, but um, yeah. I don't know. At, at one point, people were saying that's kind of an insult, um, but I don't think that's insulting. Randolph is, has built a very solid career. I mean, I guess it, if people are saying that that lowers his potential ceiling, but Randolph's just been very successful. Yeah, Randolph in the post is great. He's got a he's got a great mid range jumper, and he and he's a rebounding machine. So I don't see it's not an insult when. Uh, he, people are comparing it to Randolph. He's definitely more athletic than, than Randolph. But um, another comparison that Kobe made, I believe, was to Lamar Odom because Julius can handle the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, all he's really missing is that outside jumper. Yeah. But really, he's already he's already double double machine this early in his career. So um, he definitely has the potential to be you know an all star. Maybe a fusion of the two because yeah. I think Randall's a lot more fast and athletic than Randolph. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. It's not really fair to ever pick one player as a comparison, and I know you agree with that. But those are definitely two fair comparisons. Maybe we could merge. Yeah, I like it. Though. Randall, Randall also has a thirty-five inch vertical. People don't even know that, but he's actually uh, has the same vertical as uh, same measured vertical as Blake Griffin. <laughs> what? Yeah, thirty-five inches. Yeah. We we have to highlight that in yeah. in our excerpts. I think. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. I just think that's very interesting. Yeah. Roy Hibbert, a guy the, the Pacers couldn't get rid of fast enough, is he in the long-term plans for the Lakers, or was he just an emergency acquisition when the team whiffed on more desirable centers? And can you assess his performance so far? Um, he's a free agent after this season, so I'm, I don't, I'm not even sure if he's going to be a Laker for long. Um, he, he's their best defensive player at the moment, but even so, I've seen games where he just doesn't seem to care because of the environment. You know, it's pretty toxic right now in Lakerland. So, um, he, he, I don't know if he fits in the long-term plans for, um, the Lakers, and I know he likes a little bit of Hollywood. He's, he's, in, he's been in Parks and Recreations yep. before, so... Um, I'm glad you got that may, in. He may like Hollywood, but I'm not sure if he wants to be with the Lakers considering how tough the environment has been. Another free agent acquisition was Lou Williams, sixth man of the year last season. Not quite playing even close, actually, to those standards this yeah. season. It's been really a struggle for him. The struggle is real. Yes. He, he's a player that he likes to do a lot offensively. Kind of like Kobe, I guess. Kobe light in a way. That might be a slight exaggeration, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he, yeah. he loves to shoot. And he's not making his shots. He's not making threes. 
what's going on there? I, I mean, is it just one of those things that he has to shoot his way out of it? He's just been cold, and, and it's just the atmosphere isn't great, and ju- just all those factors coming into play? Yeah, he, he's, he's – like, part of me was laughing because um, they already have a – they Nick Young, have a player, Nick Young. Yeah, yeah. They have Kobe, so. I just, yeah, yeah, I just thought of that. Yeah, it's like a Chuckers heaven, basically. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious that they signed Lou Williams, but with that said, yeah, he's one of those guys that has to shoot his way out of it. Unfortunately, because um, he's just that type of player. He doesn't really have um, much going on <laughs> besides shooting. Yeah. Meta World Peace, formerly Ron Artest. It's kind of weird. They signed him, and I-, I like it personally. But what's his impact been on this season's team? Clearly not that much on the um, on the court product. I mean, you would think he would help the defense, but their defense needs way more help than just from one man. I'm thinking that just from a broader perspective, he's impacting the young guys at least just teaching them how to be a professional. And I know that might sound kind of funny that I'm talking about Meta World Peace here, but he's a veteran. He's been in the league a long time. He's definitely learned um, a few tricks along the way. So speak about that, please. Yeah, exactly. He, he's there to teach the young guys. It's already been evident with um, Julius Randle um, being more aggressive, not backing down against Kevin Garnett that one game against Minnesota. Um so he's he's there to he's there to teach defense. He's almost like, you know, an assistant coach in a way. And um, in some situations, he can actually be really helpful when they need a defensive stop, which is probably like every minute of the game. <laughs> but you know, that that's what Byron has him for. Um, I I think I also read somewhere that he wants to be a coach at some point uh, in the near future. So, I mean, I think he'd be pretty good for He him. has a lot of passion, and I think he'd be a great motivator. I I personally don't know what he's like on the X's and O's, and he seems like a smart player. Yeah, I, I think I think he'd be great as a... Um, um, I, I want to say maybe more on, like, the Ron Adams... Yeah, like, like a, a specialist. Thing, you know, where right. he... He's not gonna do a lot of X's and O's, but he'll he'll speak out experience. He'll motivate players, and he'll teach them how to play defense. Speaking so, of X's and O's, you like that song, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> the the L King song. I, do you like that song, or no, do you not no. even know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what song you're talking about either. We'll keep that <laughs> in just to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Kobe Bryant, Mr. Laker. He loves the organization. The fans love him. He's obviously uh, meant so much to the team in his career. I should specify. <laughs> After he's done singing his swan song, do you expect him to stay with the organization, maybe in a front office role or as a consultant or coach? Maybe an advisory role, but nothing more than that for the Lakers. I don't think he's going to be to the front office full-time or even coaching. I think he's mentioned that he wants to own a team, part be part of an ownership. Yeah. But other than that, I don't, I don't see him doing more than an advisory role where it's like they just, you know, consult about something and then, you know, he'll give his take and that's it. Nothing yeah. that, I think. I think he's too competitive to be so close to the action again without really having an, an impact on the court. Yeah, it's kind of like Jordan in a way because, yeah. like, um, Jordan hasn't gotten to coaching and he definitely hasn't really gotten to the front. 
I think he went to the front office for Washington, I believe. No, or was part owner or whatever. But like, right. other yeah, than that, like yeah. he, he hasn't done coaching, and I can see Kobe being the same way. <laughs> Kobe has so many off the court interests, and yeah, I, I think that he'll want to just spread his wings, do do stuff in business. Uh, he he's been doing stuff in media too. Yeah. Uh, but also, when when you guys were talking about, it, I thought of Larry Bird, who at time I mean, he had varying levels of success as as a Pacers coach. But at times, he was just so competitive and disappointed that the players weren't as talented as he was. And it, it's kind of that that paradox. Of, um, you you want to encourage your guys, but you also don't know why they're not as good as you were as a player. Yeah. The thing I wanted to ask you before closing out. And it's kind of an open-ended question. We did talk about a, some of the positives for the Lakers, but are there any things that are being overlooked because the season's been such a struggle, other positive developments that you see that are more under the radar? Yeah, unfortunately, other than the, outside, other than the core that I talked about, the young guys, there really isn't much positive to talk about the Lakers. Um, they just have to really... Uh, start over, basically strip the organization of anything. Even if you have, if it, even if it means getting rid of Mitch Kupchak and uh, Jim Buss, they they need they need to start fresh. And they've never been there before because they always win. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I I just don't see, I just don't see anything right now. Um, and and it's sad because other other than the young core, there's really nothing to look, to look forward to with the Lakers this season. They're going to lose a lot. It's almost like the Clippers of the Clippers before Blake Griffin got here. You know? <laughs> it's it's like that. There's like nothing to look forward to other than watching the young guys play, see how they develop. Yeah, and, you you don't have to tell us that twice. We know. <laughs> oh, I know too. I watched the Clippers since the, since uh, the early nineties. I know oh, about that. As oh well, yeah, so. yeah. We we were probably watching those same shitty games and getting excited about random plays or, or random glimpses of brilliance. Hey, Tyrone Nesby's doing really good, guys. <laughs> How's it going to be next year? You know, that's sort of... Hey, Quentin Richardson did the three, and he did the thing. He did the yeah. thing. Yeah, him and Darius Miles. See, so that's all we have to look forward to right now with the Lakers. And um, the thing is, it's like, people are always people are saying, oh, wait till they get Ben Simmons. There's no guarantee you're going to get Ben yeah. Simmons. Okay, yeah. there's just no guarantee. And, and even then, how do you know if he's going to be really great? Because I remember two summers ago... Uh, Andrew Riggins and Jabari Parker were supposed to be transcendent players, but yeah. they haven't been anything so far. Like Wiggins is a star, sure, but Parker is coming coming back from injury. Yeah, and, uh, I I just don't want to hear all about the hype right now. Like you know, just just to see where it goes. Yeah, and I think a lot of Lakers fans will will hear you and just just jump to the hype because I mean it keeps things exciting, keeps things fresh. And um, it gives fans something to look forward to. But you're right. It's way too early to tell. Yeah, it represents hope. And I get that. But yeah. we should also temper the expectations, too. Yeah. Ray Ritt, thanks a lot for coming on. It's always a joy talking to you. Yeah, no problem. Next time we'll do some karaoke and stuff, right? <laughs> I'm sure we will. And <laughs> sometimes talking to you, it can be difficult to stay on task, for, at least for me. 
because there's just so many things that we could ramble on about, like karaoke joints or new songs to karaoke or whatever. But I think we did a pretty good job of staying on task this time. So I'm excited about that. We can get all those Laker fans out there the information, the goods on this season. Oh, it's been a pleasure coming on. So thanks, guys. Thanks again. Tune in later this week for more Lakers talk and who knows what else.